In this episode, I answer this listener question. How do I heal as an adult in the same environment and relationship that I became broken in? My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist obsessed with the polyvagal theory. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. If you're one of the super fans, stick around after the main topic. I've got an announcement about episode 100, which is coming up pretty quick. This is, uh, if I count it correctly, this is episode 95 and episode 100 is coming down the, the pipeline, the polyvagal pipeline. So uh, stick around, tell you what's coming up for that. And before I get further into things, please put yourself first. You do know yourself best. So uh, yeah, put yourself first. With this one, definitely take some precautions for yourself. I'm not going to go into any specific details. As usual, there's no, no need for that. And this podcast is not intended to be therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. This is just general thoughts that are prompted by this question. This is not specific advice for the specific person or anybody else either. Okay, here we go. Again, the question is how to heal as an adult in the same environment and relationship that you became broken in. So first off, stuck not broken, okay? I'll roll with the wording here, but uh, you know by now, and if you haven't uh, heard by now, it's stuck not broken, you're not broken. This is not an issue of being broken, this is an issue of being stuck in our defensive states of our autonomic nervous system, okay? So stuck not broken. But moving on beyond that. So I don't know if this is possible, and I, ugh, I hate to be a downer, but my this is my initial thought, is how, how can you heal, well, and I don't like the word heal either, but we'll, we'll use it, how do we heal as an adult in the same environment and the same, or I think it's like and or, relationship that we became broken in? So I don't know if this is possible. I don't know. Can, it, can an abused spouse heal? in the environment that they're in? Um, can an abused child heal in the environment they are in? It doesn't doesn't quite make sense to me, just uh, maybe I'm misunderstanding things. Just that in and of itself, I'm like, I don't think that's uh, healing. I don't think healing is gonna happen there when you're in an environment where you're being abused or uh, for children if they're being neglected, of course. So maybe we're, we're referring to something else. Maybe this refers to healing like, you know, we, we're, we're visiting our parents who were once abusive. Like they were abusive when we were children and we're visiting them for the holidays. Can we heal in that environment? But that's more of, that doesn't make sense to me either because it's a visit. It's not, I don't know if you're really sticking around long enough to heal. So maybe that's not what is meant here. Um, does, do they mean that there's some sort of current abuse. I don't I don't think you can heal in that environment. Can you heal while you are emotionally dependent on somebody else or practically dependent? Can you heal when someone is mistreating that dependence, like in, in the case of a child, where they're mistreating them? Or where they're forcing that independence by physical violence and keeping someone isolated away away from others that might be of help? So while you're dependent, whether through force or by circumstance, can you can you heal while you're dependent? I don't I don't think so. I don't that doesn't quite sound right. And no, I'm not talking about someone who may be like physically dependent and has an uh, an, a, an aid or a a helper. I'm not talking about that. I mean, where the dependence is sort of forced upon them or manipulated. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. 
Or maybe this refers to like you're in a relationship and somebody cheated on you and now you're still in that relationship. You're still in that environment. So in a way you became quote unquote broken in that through the, through the cheating, but you're still in it. So how can you heal in that circumstance? Maybe that's what they're talking about. Or maybe they're like not a visit home, but it's uh you you have to move back home to these people that that uh, were abusive. Maybe that's what maybe that's what somebody means. So I'm kind of unclear about what are we talking about here. And I think my first thought is that no, I don't I don't think we can quite heal in these environments. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to hear what you think. Email justinlmft at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what you think. But what I would say is that no matter what, you always put your safety first. And I, I'll have some links in the description to some different uh, resources. But you always put your safety first. You have to put your safety first, right? I don't know if you can heal or get unstuck if you're currently under threat. I don't, I don't think it works that way. Now, we can absolutely begin to climb our polyvagal ladders. I would say yes. So someone who's in like an extreme shutdown due to their environment, maybe it's an abusive environment, who is uh, forced into this extreme shutdown. I, I think it's possible, and I think we see this a lot, especially with like spouses that escape. We see them come out of their extreme shutdown into some fight-flight energy, flight-fight energy, right? Because they do escape. They do get out of this situation, and it takes that sympathetic charge, I think, to do that, right? So it, I wouldn't call that healing, but that is ladder climbing to start the process of healing. I think we also see this with uh, teens that fight back against their parents eventually, or if they get uh, old enough or big enough that um, they sort of stand up to their parents. And until they have that circumstance, they're not able to utilize that sympathetic charge maybe to, to fight back or to stand up for themselves in a different way. I saw this growing up when I was a teenager. I went to a friend's house. Now, first off, my my home is Italian household. Lots and lots of yelling. Not necessarily at each well, it, I guess yeah, it it always was at each other, but it wasn't uh, screaming. It, it was yelling. Like Italians, I think, are just generally loud, and we yell. We yell a lot. So that was very very commonplace um, as a kid. I got yelled at a lot, not because of the <laughs> just the Italian cultural thing but um my parents I got, I got yelled at a lot my parents yelled at me a lot but so that was kind of my norm but i went to this friend's house and i heard his mother scream and she didn't know i was there she didn't know i was downstairs and i heard her scream and it was absolutely blood curdling it was the most terrifying thing i've ever heard in my life and this friend uh, he was in a home that was pretty darn abusive as he got older and he hit his teenage years, and I think he was like 15, 16. He realized he could fight back. He could stand up to his dad. And he was able to utilize some sympathetic fight energy. But it wasn't this out-of-control thing. It was more like power. It was a realization. It was it was a no, this is not going to happen anymore. And by that time, he was he would have been able to follow through that with that on his dad. So he he didn't exactly heal I don't think in that moment but that was absolutely a catalyst for for future healing I would say 
that was absolutely a catalyst for um, continuing his climb up the ladder, political ladder. So I, I, I wouldn't call this healing exactly, but it's, it's definitely pivotal to getting to the point of healing. And even if we do utilize some sympathetic energy to fight back or stand up for ourselves or get out of these environments, there's still some stuck energy. There's probably going to be some lingering stuck energy. There's going to be flashbacks and nightmares and probably a whole bunch of stuff that just sort of lingers for, with that stuck defensive energy. There's, there's still some healing to be done, right? So even in, in these situations, it's not the be-all, end-all, but it is possible. It is possible, I think, and I, I, I think we hear about these situations where people are able to get out of these even horrible um, circumstances. So it's possible to climb the ladder enough to do so, but I wouldn't call that healing because there's still going to be that stuck energy from all the stuff that you survived. And so I think there's still some work that needs to be done after that. If, if we're in these types of environments and we're expecting to heal, I think that's just a, a recipe for disaster. I don't think that's going to go well. And I think that's kind of opening yourself yourself up for re- repeated re-traumatization. So attempting to work on you is awesome, but if we're not actually safe, then we're just repeatedly going down the ladder um, well, not, maybe not even down it, but just be repeatedly reinforcing our stuck state on the polyvagal ladder because we're literally in an environment that is not safe. So how does this look with, you know, like a relationship where, where someone cheated on you and how do I heal now in this environment? That's a different circumstance, I would think, and maybe I'm off on this. But that seems to be different because there may not be literal environmental safety. But there would, of course, be this sort of lingering doubt. Doubt about trustworthiness, right? And so to me, that's earned distrust. That's not exactly healing that needs to happen. Or, um, like, well, it's, to me, it's it more of a healing in the relationship, not just that one person, but in the relationship itself. But that is, and to me, that's an issue of the relationship. That's an issue of earned mistrust. And in order to be trusted again, I think someone has to earn that back personally. I don't think we just give trust. I think it's earned. How do you heal in that relationship, though, where seeing that person is a potentially a cue of danger? That that might be a really tall ask in that kind of circumstance. And I don't know if I can speak any more on that. But if if that other person who wronged you in some way hasn't done their own work, hasn't uh, apologized meaningfully or earned your trust back, that's uh, that seems like a very tall ask to just sort of be able to heal unless those other pieces have happened. Now, you can, of course, put yourself first. You can, uh, of course, uh, put your safety first. If you need to leave the circumstance and the situation and then do your own healing, absolutely. And that, that can happen independent of the other person. But in the con in that circumstance with that person, it like staying in that home and expecting to heal, that seems uh very difficult. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have any clearer thoughts on that. And I I wish I did, but I feel like whoever's listening to this, like you might have uh, some thoughts on that. I'd be very open to hearing like 
email me. Let me know what you think about about that situation in particular. I think it's something I haven't worked with enough in therapy. And I, my wife and I, we don't cheat on each other. So, so this isn't something we've had to deal with. Uh, so I can't really pull from personal experience either. So I, I would love to hear from you on what you think about that. But generally, I think if, if you're expecting to heal in an environment that's actually unsafe, that's just going to re-traumatize you over and over again, you're, you, we have to have environmental safety in order to climb the polyvagal ladder, or at least the perception that it's safe. So the, with the kids I work with, they live in neighborhoods that are not, are not, literally are not safe. But for them living in it, uh, they know what safety is or not. They know what protection is or not. So if, if I go to those neighborhoods when I hear a gunshot, I'm going to have my sympathetic energy kick on and I'm going to leave the situation, right? I'm going to run. But for them, it's like, oh, that's not my issue or I know what that's about or that's, that's down the block, we're safe. Like their perception of the situation is probably going to be a lot different than mine, right? I know it is. So environmental safety generally is pr- really important in getting unstuck for ourselves having safe people in our lives is generally very important for getting unstuck and then doing our own self-work and self-regulation, practicing that, building the strength of our vagal break. All these things are very important for our own healing or getting unstuck, right? And I do have a course called Building Safety Anchors, which helps people to build their the strength of their vagal break. It's 30 days of learning and doing in small doses, and it really helps people to kind of feel safe in their bodies all over again because I, I we can... Even if we have less than perfect environments, now I don't think my course is going to be super helpful for someone who's in an abusive relationship. I'm not saying that. But even if the environment is less than ideal, there probably is are ways to feel safe within that less than ideal environment. And again, I'm not talking about the extremes. I'm not talking about abusive environments or literally dangerous environments. I'm not saying that at all. The The environment though is we have to have safe people and safe environments to get to climb our polyvagal ladders to access our state of safety. So if you're in one of these environments where you don't have a safe enough environment or a safe enough relationship, I, I don't I don't know how likely it's going to be to heal or or to get unstuck. I don't want to say it's impossible. I think for some situations it, it is going to be impossible, but but the ladder climbing can definitely start to happen. It's possible. That's that's possible healing and actually doing, you know, releasing that stuck defensive energy and um, getting the top of your, your polyvagal ladder into your safe and social state and being able to maintain that. Like that, it, to me, is a much longer process. And I don't think we do that in those environments. But can we begin the process? I, I think so. Change, again, change generally is possible. And I think it it kind of needs to happen despite all of these potential obstacles. Like, it just kind of has to, right? You know, I work with the the kids I work with. They live in these homes that are pretty unsafe. They're very less, very far less than ideal, lacking significant co-regulation, if at all. But still, they they do have to succeed in life. I mean, they don't have to. I guess they can choose not to. But generally, they they do. You know, that school is still happening in their life. They do still need to get a job at some point and hopefully be more or less independent. So even though there are all these obstacles, even though life is less than, far less than ideal, at some point, you know, it, you you do still have to um, make these changes, right? 
Does that mean that you're healing and actually accessing the top of your polyvagal ladder and staying there? Maybe not, but we kind of have to do good enough in order to function day to day, right? Even in these environments where there are lots of obstacles, finding safety can be can be one of the things that helps. And finding safety can be it's a, can be a person or a place. It could be a thing. It could be a movement. Just something that feels safe and that we can start to build on. And basically, it's like kind of like building a, a menu of, of safety possibilities. So that might be a thing that you do or a place that you go or a person that you're with. And a lot of times I find with the people I work with, they don't recognize it until uh, way later, even years later, that they think back and they say, oh, there was this one person I felt safe with. So even though that one person in your life, a lot of times it's a grandparent, but it could be an aunt or an uncle or a friend of the family or whoever, but, or a teacher even, but there might be that one person in your life that you have now. And if you stop and think about it, that could be a safety resource. That could be something to build on by just simply feeling what it feels like to be safe. And if, if you allow yourself to feel what it feels like to be safe, that could help you to start to climb your polyvagal ladder. Now, does it solve these environmental problems? Of course not. But it is, it is it can be helpful to climbing your polyvagal ladder and begin your process of either getting to safety, like actual safety, or through healing as well, or to actually heal. With one of my clients, when she thought back to what was safe for her, is something she hadn't felt in quite a while. But when she thought about it, she realized that there was this orange grove she used to go to when she was little. And she used to go there and hang out with the older kids. And that felt very safe for her. Being with the street, in the trees with the, with the older kids, she felt very safe. But she didn't realize it until in session we were talking about it. And talking about what safety felt like and, and feeling it in the moment. I've had clients, many clients tell me their grandparent was the safest person in their life. But you don't really realize it until you stop and think about it. And you can say, oh, that's what safety felt like. So can you heal as an adult in the same environment and the same relationship that you became broken in? I, you know, I don't, I don't get, I don't think so. But I do think it's possible to begin to climb the polyvagal ladder to start the process of just getting to actual safety and being safe. And then once you're in actual safety, and hopefully you're with safe people, then the process of healing can actually begin. That's my general thoughts. Of course, I could be wrong. Your life, I don't know about. So that's really up to you to say, Justin, you're full of it, or <laughs> these are some helpful thoughts. Either way, I hope for the best for you, of course. Episode 100 is coming up. Uh, this is 95. 100 is coming up in about five episodes. And then, well, actually, what's really significant for me is episode 101, because I'd like to kind of start over. The podcast started with me going in depth into the polyvagal theory for episodes one through four. Actually, one through nine, I would say. And I want to get back to that. I want to kind of get back to the basics and revisit those basics and see what I know more of now. See if my knowledge has changed. See if I can go more in depth into things. And I, I do believe I can. That's going to start in episode 101. I'll call it the Polyvagal 101 series. And I don't know how long it's going to go on for, but 
but I'd like to kind of get back to the basics. And I think it's really important to do that, to, to revisit what we know or what we think we know and see what has changed. That is coming then. And if you could let people know about the podcast, this would be a really good time for them to, to get into it. This is a really good time for them to, to jump in and learn all about political theory and get right on track with us as we, as we well, go further. Cause, uh, I don't have any plans for stopping this and I appreciate you being a part of it. I hope you've learned something new to help you climb your own polyvagal ladder in this episode. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area. If you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. There are more resources in the description as well.